Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody. This is Howard Fox, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Sally Huss. Sally is a children's book author and illustrator and a former tennis champion. Sally's children's books are fun, whimsical, many in rhyme, and most have a little something extra to think about. Her categories of books cross a huge gamut of interest areas for children, including princesses and princes, health and body, social-emotional, just for fun, family, multicultural. And she also has a number of books specifically around her career in tennis, and also one very important book, especially important in this time of being quarantined in our homes and the coronavirus. And the book is called The Importance of Living Happy. We really want to get into this podcast. So Sally, welcome to the show today. Good. Thank you so much. It's fun to be here. Excellent. So now, Sally, you are in Colorado, and you were just telling me you just got a huge snowfall, right? Yes, this is spring in Colorado, and five inches of snow welcomed us this morning. It was very odd. Anyway, it's melting away. That's Colorado. Fantastic. I, yeah. I bet you it's beautiful out there. Anytime you have five inches of snow, it's uh, it's beautiful. And you're right, it melts away probably by mid-afternoon. Right. The trees are fabulous. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. So, Sally, give us a little bit about your background. I mean, you've had quite the career. So give us kind of a high-level story. Okay. Basically, I was raised to be a tennis champion and from the age of 10. And then I spent all my time on the tennis court and with a coach and my father helping me. And, you know, I traveled in Europe and all over the United States playing in tournaments, even as a young person and played Wimbledon four times. I was a semifinalist there, won the junior championship in Wimbledon and the U.S. So I was raised to be a champion. And then at at that point, this was way before money. So at about 19, 20 years old, I had to do something else. And tennis opened a lot of doors for me. And from that, I ended up working in television for a fellow who had a wonderful television show in L.A., Then I worked for Sam Goldwyn Jr. in film, and I had a lot of interesting experiences there working with his art director and be able to do all kinds of things. And then at another point, I ended up working for Paul Simon and ran his music publishing company, Charing Cross. So there was a kind of range of things. And so then I did some Zen work and ended up teaching tennis in Malibu and Beverly Hills in sort of a Zen way a much different way than I had been taught to play tennis and compete and a much more spiritual way of playing tennis, releasing a lot of energy and having a good deal of fun. That was terrific. And then I got into my art, which I had been a student at USC in fine art and graduated there, but never thought I would do anything with art until I met my husband, future husband, who was the head of advertising and promotion for Hallmark Cards. And he then kind of saw my ability and this and that, and I kind of rolled into things. And we eventually, he left Hallmark, and we set up Sally Huff Galleries around the country as he had started all the original card shops for Hallmark. So we had these 26 galleries. We owned five, and then the others were independent, and we supplied them with art and one thing and another. And different companies would come in, and they'd say, well, we want your art for 
or you're writing for this and that. I did wallpaper and baby bibs and calendars and lines of greeting cards, all kinds of things. It was just going on and on. At some point, in, in the background of all of that, I would write little books, little books, and I put them away in a box that I kept privately and no one ever saw. But I would write these little books and thought, well, one day I'll be able to delve into those and use those books and the, the meaning of those books and help kids. Eventually, 9-11 hit and the galleries closed. And I had the opportunity then to focus on children's books. And that's what I did. I began self-publishing books. So we have now over 100 books in the collection. That's what I do. And I still do it. This is about eight years ago that I think I really focused on the books. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I mean, at any given point in your story, you know, who you are and, you know, starting from way back when you were 10 years old to today, you know, any one of those is a made-for-TV movie or a book in of itself, I would imagine. As you were beginning to write these little stories and, you know, kind of hiding them away in a box. And then you said, you know, 9-11 hit and, you know, things change for everybody, you know, just thinking about who we are, what we do. In fact, those same circumstances in a way are happening again with the coronavirus and being quarantined in our home and our way of thinking about self, family, what's important in our lives. And so back when this event happened and then you what prompted you to go back into that box and pull out those stories and turn those into the books? Yeah, I'm trying to think what really initiated that other than I had the time because prior to that, my time, I was, I was creating and not only painting for galleries, painting large paintings, but doing design work for all of these companies that lie art for their products. And so it was all-consuming time-wise. But now I had the time, and I could focus on that. And my husband, being a marketer and a promoter, he read hundreds of books on self-publishing. And that's how we just turned the direction. We just turned a corner there and went in another direction and got into the books. That's how that happened. And so I, I got that box out and started pulling some things out much of that was very esoteric stuff. You know, I meditate and a, an idea would come and then I'd focus and I would see it like a little movie and then I would write it down and <laughs> do that. So that's how I collected these stories. So many of those original ideas were not useful for the general public, but I could take the essence of it, whatever the point was, and work on it and restructure it. And I started writing on anything, anything that would pop into my head that, that seemed useful to people, to kids. Then I had dreams, dreams that directed me. The one particular one had children who were, and, and the, the, the point of the dream was that children were in trouble and they needed to be uplifted. And I was wondering why these children were in trouble as I saw them laying on the side of the road. And so I stopped and I said, why isn't somebody helping these children? And nothing was happening. So I got out of the car and I picked a child up and I said to myself, children are so easy to uplift. So that was the message that I was to focus on that. And I had gone to a Jack Canfield seminar. And again, that same message through a meditation that he did, of, you know, a great angel on top of a 
Hill was going to reveal your life purpose. And she would open this box and the light to everyone in the room, their particular life purpose would be revealed. And she opened the box for me and books upon books fell out of it. And I said, okay, that's it. That's the direction we're going. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, just that type of epiphany. Now, what was your first book? I'm interested in that. What was that first one? Oh, the very first ones. Um, I'm not sure. Probably maybe The Princess in My Teacup might have been one of the very first ones that I've, it's still been a very uh, a great book. And uh, for a child to have things revealed to her by a princess that showed up in her cup of soup in her teacup and and this and that would tell her a few things that would help her to live her life a little better and, you know, be a little more generous, be kind, be do this, you know, and that kind of thing. It was just a darling book and very popular. That book still is good and just holds up. And eventually, eventually we were, my husband and I were having lunch in an outdoor restaurant and a little girl walked by and she had a cold gown on and a crown and everything. And I looked at her and I said, Oh, oh, a princess. And she looked at me with (laughs) with her nose in the air. And she said, no, a queen. (laughs) I thought, Oh, that's great. So that started another book, which is called better than a princess, which added some more things about behavior with her mother and how this princess keeps showing up a princess in her teacup, but then she becomes a queen. How she becomes a queen of herself, controlling herself. So these are not thought out. It's just that I start a book and then it reveals itself. It's like a book is already there and I'm just writing it down. I'm writing it down and then I create it because I see it as a little movie. Anyway, that was maybe one of the first books, The Princess in the Teacup. Okay. And How did the evolution of the books take these new directions of, you know, you've got the holiday series, health and body image, social, emotional components, fun, family. How did, is, do they, these stories just kind of show up for you in the kind of like you're meditating and I guess the movie shows up? Well, you know, some did, but the other thing was that I would kind of challenge myself. I get on a kick and do sounds, a whole book on the shush sound and the guh sound and the this sound. And and I would put them in rhyme, and it it was fun to do a little series so that I would, you know, it was like a little challenge, a self-challenge, and I'd do those things. Not a lot of those are in the series and were eventually illustrated or published but I would do that, or I would pick another range that I would run in. I did, I did a series of about four books for children who suffer from military separation. My father's shirt, my mother's pearls, my mother's wings, and our father's, what was the last one? Our father's, I um, can't remember what the title is, but four of those. Our, our father's smile. Yeah, our, our father's, father's smile. smile. And again, they're always about a point of view uh, of seeing things not as hard or uh, bad, but just seeing them and trying to benefit from the experience, I would say, to um, see them in a positive light. Attitude is everything. Pick a good one. That's my theme. So those books, and then I've got a lot of feedback from people who have had 
children who've been helped by these books. That was, you know, that's rewarding. Oh, very rewarding. So you, you've got the book, it's on your website and folks, we will provide a link back to Sally's website, you know, sallyhuss.com. When people come to you after they've bought the book and you kind of alluded to it, what are they sharing with you? I mean, why does it, do they share why they bought a particular book or how this book, it was the right book in the moment for them to share with their child? Right. That was that was the most poignant one. Was the uh, a mother I was introduced. I was doing a reading at a school, and the teacher wanted me to meet this particular mother who was taught the school. And she said, "My son was five or six. Was having such a hard time with his father being deployed. He was really having a hard time." And she got that book. And she said it changed him completely. And it's about having his father's shirt and having that close to him and knowing that his father was not far away, certainly not far away in the heart. And all he had to do was think of him and know how proud the father was of him. And that helped him. Those kinds of things, you know, come back and they're wonderful (laughs) feedback. And, you know, and I create a, a book. Someone will say, don't you have a book on helping children with fears? She said, I have a grandson who is afraid of everything. And so I thought about it, and I created a book called The Trick to Being Fearless about actually swallowing words and thoughts and how to change a thought to change the reaction to it and to reaction of the the situation. And um, that was extremely helpful. And other people, so the books come out in many different ways. My husband was in the hospital with terrible thing, and his nurse looked at some of my books, and she said, you must meet my father. He is the mayor of Anaheim, California, and he ran on a platform of kindness, and he won. And they instituted a platform, they instituted a platform of kindness in the whole city, so the children were made aware of the importance of kindness, and kindness being an active word not just an empty word. And so they they kept track of how many gestures or incidents of kindness that they performed during a year. Over a million acts of kindness. So I wrote a book called The Monkeys Who Tried Kindness. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that's how they kind of come out. You know, the books, I can, they come out in something that I come across or if there's a need, um, the Denver uh, head of the Head Start at Denver said, I really would like a book for children who are transitioning from preschool to kindergarten. And she said, I've read every book there is, and it doesn't hit the point. I said, what points do you want in it? And she told me, and I created this wonderful little book, and they love it. It's called Welcome to Kindergarten, and it's in a couple of languages and, you know, multicultural and all that. I just finished a recent book in an area that I never would have thought of. This woman contacted me and and wanted me to do a book on food allergies. And I looked at the books that existed, and I wasn't—I didn't have the right thing. She gave me a few insights of someone who had, because she had food allergies. And the danger and the, you know, I never thought, well, somebody just has allergies. No, it's life-threatening in many cases. And how I put this together and, and how they honored the child that was revealing his his situation to his classmates so that 
the book is not just for children who have food allergies, but it is for the children around them, siblings, the playmates, the school classmates, how they can understand and empathize with that child and honor him for his discipline. You know, things like that. You know, that's a really important point you just raised is so many of these books are not necessarily just for the the child, him or herself, but it's for their peers, you know, the other children in the class, the teachers, even the parents. It's for them as well to learn to, you know, to appreciate others and to, you know, be empathetic, to be helpful. I mean, we've, we've, cross that particular theme with some of our other authors, whether the child has a visual disability or the, the child is, is very small for her age. I mean, we had one where the, the you know, how in, in school, in elementary school, they put a tape measure to kind of look at how people are growing. And this little girl was like the lowest one on the tape measure. And so everybody started to make fun of her. It was like, that's not a good thing. That leads into bullying. And so I, I love how you've, you've taken these books not only to help the, the child in the moment for, you know, for example, like with the, the parent who's going away to, you know, overseas for service, but also to all educate and inform the other children, the peers, the parents, the teachers. I love that. What do you think your next steps will be with the books? I mean, are you, you're continuing to, to actively write or are there some other directions you want to take with these books? Well, I, I, I have plenty of books with wonderful information and anything to inspire a child or give a child a tool that they need. But I need, what I need now is, because I've done these and done them through Amazon's, a program of self-publishing. It's a limited market. In a sense, it doesn't seem limited. I mean, Amazon doesn't seem limited. But you know, there are so many authors and so many books, it's hard for someone to know what direction and and how to uh, attract people to your books to say, these are very special and they have very subtle um messages for children, subconscious messages to help children. And uh, so I'm looking for some organization, some foundation, some entity that will take these and spread them far and wide because they should be in schools. I have a book that's called No Smoking, No Drinking, No Drugs for very young children. This was given to me in a dream and said, this is the problem with drugs. And it was like a big spider that was like jewels and things. And and the spider was in this web. It was so beautiful. And this young child came running forward to look at the spider, and it got caught in the web. And that's what drugs are and these things. So, But to start a, um, a dialogue, it, it's, it's a beautiful book. But how do you get that out there to the right places where the, uh, this will get into the hands of children that, that could use it? That's what I need, because I'm not a specialist in, in that area at all. So I'm uh, trying to find an avenue or someone who will know how to how to really promote these books, get them out there further. So that's one of the things as I continue to, uh, you know, create books. So that's what I do. Fantastic. And we'll certainly love to help you to accomplish that because, I mean, these books are wonderful. And, and by the way, the, the illustrations in these books are all very unique. And, and being the artist, 
is it safe to say that you were the illustrator of the all of these books? Oh, yeah. Well? Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm an author illustrator. I did all the books. And I do them now on, on the computer. I can draw on the computer. Not easily, but yeah, it makes it better. It's simple. And that, that's it's really the message, but making it attractive, colorful, and fun. It's always fun. It has to be fun. Yes, yes. So the kids won't listen. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. I am curious, Sally, as I was getting ready for the podcast, you know, writing up the show notes, and I then looked, it was at your website, and I came across the book, the importance of living happy. And I just thought it was very timely, just given the circumstances that we are in. And, you know, for our listeners, it's not going to be any surprise to you. We are right in smack in the middle of the, the this global pandemic, the coronavirus. Uh, many of us are either encouraged to quarantine or self-quarantining and you know, except for going out to a grocery store or to the drugstore, we may not even be going out. But there's this this idea that we are all of a sudden either alone, so I, I don't live with anybody, I'm by myself, or we are with our immediate family, our spouses, our partners, and we have to find some way to stay sane, so to speak, to be happy. And so I'm curious about this book that I came across that you wrote back in, I think it was 2014, The Importance of Living Happy. Tell us more about that book. Yeah, it's an unusual book. It was originally published by Tinspeed Press as The Happy Book. And it was um, in 2000. I just looked at the publishing date. We had it in our galleries, galleries of course, but um, it's, it's a terrific book that had all sorts of reasons. And it's, again, it's about an attitude and programming oneself, you know, the happier I am, the happier I get. There are all these little things and the little games to play. I'd created this in a very rough form and tested it out in the gallery before it was published. And then I went, happened to go to a book expo that was in LA and I walked through there and I had a few things with me and I had this book and I walked into 10-Speed Press to Phil Wood, who is the owner of the company. And I walked in there, and um, the girl, I was wearing a jams outfit, and the girl who, his top editor, said, oh, you have to meet Phil, because Phil only wears jams. And so she got me together with him. He, he held my book in his hand, and he felt it. He rippled through the pages, but he felt it. And he didn't say anything more other than, we will publish this, and you will, be, you will be happy with the contract. He didn't even read it. He just, built, you know, with his thumb, went through the, the pages, flipped through it like that, never even looked, and just felt it. And he said, we will publish this. So it's a terrific book, and uh, they gave, the, gave me the rights back after all these years, and I just restructured it and put it up as the, the importance of living happy, which is what people have to do now. You can figure out all sorts of creative things to do. I'm never, I'm never stuck with something to do. I always have another book or uh, another project to um, work on, to, you know, to use my energies and to be constructive. And I'm stay in touch with people. Anybody's got a problem, we talk about it and that sort of thing. But it's it's doing things and it's you know, changing. Fortunately, I'm a, 
I'm a Gemini, so I tend to be more flexible than maybe some other people. <laughs> and uh, so I can use use the condition. I'm not anxious about the situation. It is what it is. No, it is what it is. And to be worrying about it and to fret about it doesn't do any good. So it's important to, um, as you know, the happier you are, the happier you get. And the more, um, the higher vibration you are, the more you attract the similar things and, and good things come to you. So that's, that's my thinking on it. And that's what I think, you know, the people I'm around and encourage people to, um, look for things to do to, not to entertain themselves necessarily, but to uh, expand themselves with time to read, the time to meditate, the time to to pray, you know? So there's a lot to be done. Fantastic, and, uh, in yeah. Quiet time, yeah. Well I, well, I think even in today's circumstance that we're in, this book is most definitely very timely. So uh, we'll you know, encourage our listeners to pick up a copy of The Importance of Living Happy. I know I am. <laughs> Sally, it is been an absolute pleasure to you know have you on the success insight podcast and you know thank you so much for taking part out of your snowy day to to join us thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure to chat with you sally if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work where's the best places for them to go I think just go to Sally Huss and it's H U S S Sallyhuss.com and go to sallyhuss.com and, and there's a biography there, but there's also a lot of information about the books and the listing of the books and people can contact me there if they choose. And uh, I've just put up a little tiny eight page PDF free on that book and it's called A Reminder for Kids. It's eight pages of just uh, little drawings that they can download and it's about all the things the kids have to do during these epidemics. So, you know, all the things, not touching their face, you know, washing their hands, all that kind of thing in kind of a cute way. Everything is there on that website. I do Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I send put Twitter messages up during the day that I love to hear from people. Fantastic. Well, we will provide uh, links back to your website, sallyhuss.com, as well as your you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everybody has their preference. And we'll also provide a link back to your Amazon author page and a link specifically to the importance of living happy. So once again, Sally, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and we wish you continued good health, be safe, and uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, where you go next with all these wonderful books. These are absolutely amazing. So thank you again. Thank you. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with Sally Huss. She is a children's book author and illustrator. She has this entrepreneurial spirit and stories that began when she was an aspiring tennis champion at the age 10. She's been an artist, a gallery owner. She's worked with some very famous people as well. And since the early 9-11 era, I mean, she's been a really an, has an amazing library of books that she has authored and really encourage you to go out and look at the library and there is no doubt will be some books that will resonate for you your children and in our current circumstance uh where we're in about for children to help them understand the importance of not touching your face. Uh, also the importance of living happy. And I just, when I saw that book, I was like, I need that. 
And it's just such an important thing to remind ourselves of in the moment, uh, given what we are facing today. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast and do let us know uh, on our main website, successinsightpodcast.com and uh, let us know what you thought about this particular show. When we get it published, it'll also be on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Uh, It will also be on YouTube and you'll be able to hear or download the podcast on all the podcast platforms, at least the major ones, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play and Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stay healthy, but have a phenomenal, happy day. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.